I tell you what, I, I don't think I have ever second-guessed myself as much as I have second-guessed myself in whether or not to do this particular series that we're going to do. Because I, I, I thought, oh, I, you know, I'm not going to do it. Yes, I am. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not going to do it. Yes, yes, I should. And then I would, I would argue with myself, and I would think about all the pros and cons. And, and of course, I would be praying. I'd say, God, what do you want me? Do you want me to do this? And, and God, God, I believe God is telling me, yes, you must do this, because if you don't do it, who will? If, if you don't talk about these things, how will people reflect and process what, 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 what Scripture has to say about these things because we are immersed in these kinds of questions and issues in our culture. And so if, if, you, don't, if you don't help them realize what Scripture says, if you don't help them think through these things, then how, how, will, they, how will they know and how will they gain some clarity? And, so, and then I said, okay, Lord, and, which is a good thing to do. Uh, you know, you're usually when you say no, Lord, you, that's not a good thing. You're you're heading heading for trouble. So we, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're starting today a, a series, actually a five part series where we're talking about homosexuality and transgender issues. And so, parents, I just want to give you a fair warning. If you happen to have your young child in the room right now and actually over the next uh, month or so. Uh, just be aware, we're going to be talking about sexuality and, and all these kinds of things. And it's your discretion if you want to have your young child in here hearing what I'll, I'll be talking about. And I'll tell you, my opinion is the earlier they hear it, the better, because they're hearing it everywhere else and even in school and everywhere else. So anyway, heads up, uh, that's what we're talking about, sexuality in this series. Now, of course, to, to properly uh, discuss such topics as homosexuality and, and transgender, we have to grapple with deeper questions, such as what is sexuality? Because before you can really have an intelligence discussion about homosexuality, you have to first ask, well, what is sexuality? What does it even mean to be a man or a woman, masculine or feminine? And we say things like, well, he's a man's man, or she's a real lady. What, what do we even mean by that? What is gender? What is sexuality? And then we also have all kinds of questions about the relevancy and authority of Scripture. Can we really expect an ancient book like the Bible to have any kind of relevancy or authority in our lives today, especially when it comes to things like sexuality? Why should we even care what Scripture has to say? And of course, there are all kinds of practical questions, political questions. How should I relate to, to family and friends who are transgendered or gay? How, as a, as a parent and as a follower of Jesus, well, how should I respond if my own child comes out as gay or transgendered? Should we attend a gay friend's wedding? Should I, as a pastor, as a Christian pastor of a Christian church, should I be performing Weddings for, for same-sex couples. And, and if I don't, am I, isn't that discriminatory? Isn't that even bigoted? Why does the government even care 
to regulate marriage. What is marriage anyway? Why not allow any arrangement of any kind of marriage that anybody wants? I mean, really, who cares why? Well, why, why try to regulate it at all? So those, those are just a few of the questions, okay? That, that like it or not, we are confronted with, immersed in today. And so as we begin this five-week series entitled, What Does Jesus Save?, we're going to be doing just that. We're going to be doing our best to grapple with what Jesus, our Lord, because we say we're Christians, most of us here, right? We say we're Christians, we follow Jesus and what Jesus says. So what does Jesus have to say about all of these things? So this morning, I, I want us to jump in by turning to John 7:53 through 8:11. okay? So turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 7, verse 53, and then through chapter 8, verse 11. Actually, you can just begin with chapter 8, verse 1, because it's just a couple of words there at the end of chapter 7. Believe it or not, Jesus addressed these questions. If not directly, he, he did so indirectly. He, he gives all kinds of, of commands and teachings, but he, he also gives us principles that are still very applicable for us today. So if you happen to have picked up an outline as you walked in this morning, you, you'll see two major points that I want us to cover today. Just two points. And actually, we're only going to cover the second point today because we're going to get to the first point in the weeks to come. And so here are the two key points that I really want you to keep in mind throughout this whole series. As we think about sexuality and marriage and homosexuality and transgender and the thousands of questions that go along with all of that, you need to keep these two points in mind. One is this, we need to get this right theologically. And the second is we need to get this right relationally. Theologically and relationally. So we need to get this right theologically. Won't be talking about that much today. We'll get into that in the weeks ahead. Because, But what I mean by that is, you know, theology is thinking about God and Scripture and what the Bible has to say. We need to get this right theologically. So in the weeks to come, we're going to be looking at, 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 at a lot of different Scriptures that actually speak of sexuality and even homosexuality and, and, and grappling with how do those apply to us today. What is marriage, for example? What is God's intention for our sexuality so that, that's what I mean by we need to get this right theologically. Is gay marriage okay? Maybe it's even celebrated by God. And is it possible that you are really a woman trapped in a man's body or vice versa? And, and that you should take some hormones and transition to make your body more in line with who you really are inside and, and make you look like the other sex? What should we think about these things theologically? Of, of course, scientifically and medically, but, but what about theologically? Is this good and right and healthy? We're going to grapple with these things in the week ahead, weeks ahead, but today I want us to focus on the second point, because not only do we need to get this right theologically, we need to get this right relationally. Relationally. And I tell you, I, I think we've had our theology traditionally at least basically right, although that's kind of up for grabs in some circles now. But, but I think we have related to the LGBTQ community horrifically. And this is why the, the LGBTQ community in general views Christians as homophobic and just plain mean. 
And in many cases, folks, they are exactly right. So let's talk about getting this right relationally. And I think our Lord Jesus is our perfect example. I want to read John. Let's start with chapter 8, verse 1. You know, it says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. It, the, the first part of that sentence is there was Jesus was doing some other things, and then everybody went to their, their own home. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Uh, Mount of Olives. Verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. So imagine Jesus is here in the temple courts. There's, there's a huge crowd gathered around and he's teaching them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, these were the religious leaders of the day. Okay, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. And said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, interesting, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Here we see Jesus addressing a hot issue of his day. Now, now please hear me. I am not saying that adultery and homosexuality are the same thing. They're not, obviously. I, I'm simply comparing how Jesus approached this issue with how we can approach our issue today. And I say issue. Let me be very clear. Yes, this is an issue. It is a topic. It is even a debate about, you know, what, you know, what, what should we think about all this? It's an issue. But understand, this is so much more than an issue. This is personal. This is relational. Most of us have family or friends who are gay or transgender, do we not? I mean, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, probably every single one of us would say, one of my family members is gay or transgender. I have a friend who is gay or transgender. Some of you parents, I know, have a gay child, and you've had to wrestle through how to grapple to respond to them, how to relate to them. And if you haven't yet, sooner or later, a gay friend will invite you to their wedding. And as a committed follower of Jesus, what should you do? I know. I've talked with, with several of you. You, you. You've had to struggle through that. Should I or shouldn't I? What, what are the pros and cons and, and all of this? So uh, please, this is more than an issue or an argument. This is deeply personal. This is deeply relational. So when I say issue, please understand that I understand it's more than an issue. It, it's relational. It's, it's personal. It's dealing with the lives and the health and well-being of people. So, so let's, let's look at Jesus here. No, no, notice, uh, 
three things, three things that I, I want to uh, apply to our lives today. Notice how Jesus handles this situation. First of all, Jesus shows us how to embrace truth and grace. Truth and grace. Not just truth, not just grace, but truth and grace. With all of these questions and issues, we need to embrace truth and grace. Our culture today ha has really done an excellent job of framing the issue in a certain way. And the spokespeople and the activists have been very intentional about framing the, the issue in exactly this way. Are you affirming of LGBT community or not? That's how it is framed. Are you affirming and even celebratory? Can you celebrate this lifestyle? Or are you a bigot? Are you hateful and mean? That's how it's framed. And, and, and so, so that's, that's your choices. Are you going to affirm it and celebrate it? Or are you going to be a bigot and hateful? Well, who wants to be a bigot, right? That, that's how, how it is framed. Those are your only options. But surely there's a third option. Surely. And this is what Jesus shows us. The authorities bring a woman who's caught in the act of adultery. We can't help wonder but where the man was. The last time I thought about it, I mean, it takes two, right? Well, where's the guy? You know, and, and, but see, this is a trap. They're, they're setting him up. How, how do they even know about what was, you know, th this act of adultery was going on? I mean, you could ask all kinds of questions, but it's obvious this is a trap. It, it says in verse 6, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So they weren't sincere. They weren't. It's, it's kind of like so much of what goes on in social media world today. Nobody's really the least bit interested in learning anything. We're just all throwing stones at each other. That's all that's going on. And that's what the, these authorities are trying to do. They, they want to trap him. They want to embarrass him. They want to get him to say something quotable that they can run on CNN that night. You see, the, the, the issue was, look at verse 6 again. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. You see, Jesus was going around preaching love and grace. He was relating. See, we need to get this relational thing right. Jesus was relating to all kinds of people. And the religious people, the respectable, holy people, were getting quite upset that Jesus is going all around town and all around the country associating with those kind of people. And and. So Jesus is, is preaching grace. He's preaching love. He's preaching relationships. And so they bring this woman. Remember, this is a trap. This is a setup. They bring this woman caught in adultery to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, the law of Moses, you know, the Old Testament law, says that this woman, was caught, since she was caught in the act of adultery, she should be stoned to death. What do you say? Now, this was a brilliant setup. They thought through this trap very well because the Old Testament law of Moses does say that anyone caught in adultery should be stoned to death. Again, I wonder where was the guy, but that this, is, this is a setup. So watch this now. If Jesus says, yes, stone her, because that's what the law of Moses says, he's going to lose favor and kind of contradict all that he's been 
preaching for, for the last months about love and grace. And, and a lot of people will be upset for him because he was relating to all these different kinds of people. But then on the other hand, if he says, yes, let her go, uh, let her go, you know, no big deal, just let her go. He, he'll be accused of disrespecting the law of Moses. So they were framing it this way very intentionally. Notice what Jesus does. He totally reframes the question. He refuses to minimize her sin on the one hand, but he reframes it. He says, right now, I don't want to talk about her sin. I, I want to talk about your sin. He says in verse 7, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then I love this. He knelt down and he writes in the dust. And I've always wondered, what did he write? I mean, imagine there's this big crowd, emotions are high, tension everywhere. Jesus put on the hot seat with this question, either or. He kneels down and, and, and he, he's writing in, in the dust. And, and I've always wondered, and again, speculation, but could it be that he was actually writing some of their sins? So here's Jesus writing in the dust and he's writing maybe adultery. And then he looks up. <laughs> and then he writes out some other sin and he looks up. And then he stands up and he says, those of you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, starting with the oldest, they, they slink away. They slink away. Listen, you and I, you and I need to lay down our stones. We do. We need to drop our stones. Some of us are going around with stones in our pocket. And in the name of holiness, in the name of our God, oh, we love stoning people. We've got to lay down our stones. If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone. Before you go judging this woman, you better face your own sin in a new and profound way. I don't want you to focus on how different you are from this woman. I want you to realize how similar you are to this woman. You have your dysfunctions. You have your sins. And one by one, they drop their stones. They drop their judgment. They drop their harshness. And they slink away. Again, I think the church has had it basically right theologically. But we have gotten this horrifically wrong relationally. We cast stones at people. Yet we have dysfunctional, ungodly marriages. We cast stones at people, yet we tend to get divorced at the same rate that unbelievers do. We, we cast stones at people and yet we're looking at pornography. I tell you, I, I, I can hardly even stomach it when I try to look at some of the statistics on how many Christian men and even how many Christian pastors when they do these anonymous studies. I mean, it's, it's unbelievably high. I can't remember the percentage, but unbelievably high. Well over 50% of, of men, Christian men, even Christian pastors, looking at pornography on regular basis. 
Now I know men, we're all the exception here, right? Come on. We cast stones. And yet, so many of us, we've lived together before marriage. We have sex outside of marriage, outside of the marriage covenant, maybe even committing adultery. And don't even have much shame about it. And Jesus says those things are wrong too. So what gives you the right to be picking up your stone and throwing at others? Jesus says, throw it on your stone. He's not asking us to turn our backs on truth. He's asking us to lay down our stones. Rather than distancing ourselves from people and throwing stones at people, Jesus wants us to enter into the struggle. Enter into the struggle. Don't avoid it. One by one, the authorities lay down their stones and they walk away. They leave the woman. We were very interested and it was kind of exciting when we could judge her and condemn her. But now that you're asking me to address my own sin and even enter into her life, and why did this happen in the first place and what's really going on in her life and in her family, and, and you're actually asking me to enter in and care about this, no thanks. Jesus says, I want you to enter into the struggle. He approaches her and he says, where, where, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says in verse 11, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Neither do I condemn you. Do you understand Jesus is not in the condemning business? Do you understand this? He, Jesus is into the relating and reconciling and renewing business. You and I as followers of Jesus are not in the condemning business. We are in the relating and reconciling and renewing business. Amen? The, the past few weeks I, I've read several books, and one of them is by Greg and Lynn McDonald. Greg and Lynn McDonald, and they have a son, Greg Jr. And, and their book is, a, is called Embrace the Journey. Embrace the Journey, a Christian parent's blueprint for loving your LGBTQ child. Embrace the Journey, Greg and Lynn McDonald. They, they tell their story of, of how they discovered when their, their son was an early teen, like, I don't know, somewhere around 14 perhaps, and they, they, they discovered that that he was gay. And their whole world was flipped on him because they were devout Christians, followers of Jesus. And, you know, they thought they had the truth on all this. And it just rocked their world. And they, they, they wondered, what should I do? And Lynn, the mother, she put it this way. Let me quote what she says. Could I love God and love my son? If I loved one, was I turning my back on the other? If I supported Greg Jr. as he lived his life as a gay man, was I somehow endorsing his sexual orientation and disobeying God? Now it felt like my spiritual foundation was shifting beneath me, and it was really important that we get this right. Greg and I spent hours in prayer, genuinely asking God to show us if we were being led astray. In the end, we kept coming to the same conclusion, grounded in Scripture and blessed by the Holy Spirit. God doesn't make us choose people or faith. In fact, He commands that we choose both. Love God and love others. 
The real question was not, how can I love and accept my son in spite of my faith? But because of my faith, how can I not love him? Exactly. Exactly. Because of our faith, how can we not love people? The Apostle Paul said the same thing, Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Did you hear that? How do you and I fulfill the law of Christ? There's a law, right? There's teaching, right? There's truth, right? What does Scripture say, right? Well, how do you fulfill that law of Christ? By carrying each other's burdens. In this way you fulfill the law of Christ. How do you show your love? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, except your gay neighbor. Oh, except your gay. No. Love God with all your heart. You love everybody. And in fact, it's precisely you show your love for God by loving other people. The Apostle John says over in his letter, 1 John 4.20, anyone who says, I love God yet hates his brother is a liar. I tell you, can you tell we have so much to talk about in the weeks to come? So much to talk about. But I want to lay this as foundational truth this morning. We need to lay down our stones. Would you bow your heads with me? And I want to take just a couple of minutes here. So with every head bowed right now, please. Don't, don't start thinking, oh, I'm going to leave. I'm going to, I'm going to get up and get out of here quick. No, no, just get, give me just two or three, four more minutes where, where you're just reflecting and you're thinking. And, and you're even asking, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? Okay, so let's just invest a couple of minutes before we leave here in reflection and prayer. Every head bowed. And I'm going to ask you some questions and then I'll pause and give you a few moments to Think and pray. What stones do you need to lay down? I'm not asking you to compromise truth. I'm just asking you to enter into the life of someone else. I'm asking you to, Jesus is asking you to lay down your stones. Your harshness. Your name calling. Your degrading words. Your self-righteousness, your fear, what do you need to repent of? Pornography, gay jokes, gay bashing? Your social media comments that just make gay people think you hate them? Are you having sexual relations with someone and you're not married to them? How can you say you love Jesus and do that? Are you committing adultery? What do you need to repent of? And the beautiful thing is, the gospel 
The gospel is so powerful and so beautiful and so real. There is forgiveness and grace and freedom for you and for me in Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus stood up for that woman, he will stand up for you. He will enter into your struggle with you. Maybe you are here today and you are personally, you yourself, you are struggling with same-sex feelings or transgender feelings and you don't even know what to make of it and you don't know what to do, where to go, who to talk to, who to listen to. My goodness, if we cannot freely discuss our feelings and our struggles at church, what kind of people are we? This can be a safe place for you and for all of us where we can share, we can process what's really going on in our lives. And you don't have to worry about being stoned by somebody. Of course, you don't have to tell everybody, but you can tell somebody, somebody you trust, somebody who won't throw stones at you, somebody who will enter into your struggle. Lord Jesus, we thank you for telling us, commanding us to lay down our stones. Thank you for, for not stoning us when we deserve it. Help us to know your grace more deeply and your truth more profoundly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.